started a series last week. I call this uh, Faith in Action. And, um, and so what I'm doing is just kind of laying a foundation uh, faith. faith. How many know faith is like a commodity? A commodity is something that you use all the time. And investors will invest in commodities that are used regularly all over the world, you know. So, so faith is like a commodity. It's something that you use all the time. And, and when you came to Jesus... God has given you and placed in your heart. And when you come to Jesus, God places in you the commodity called faith. And that faith becomes your servant. And that faith enables you to receive from the Lord all your life as a believer. That's one angle you could look at it in. But what, I, what I'm doing the first two lessons here particularly, and I'm, I'm working with myself not to go too fast. I got a lot to share today. And if I don't get done, will you come back next Sunday? Because I'll do that and then just keep moving forward. But I don't want to feel like I just got to rush, rush, rush. Because there's some really important principles. These are some, some of the most important principles that honestly I have ever learned in my entire life. And, and I didn't learn them until uh, I came to Jesus uh, just before my 18th birthday. And, and to, to begin with, they were shocking because I had been in church for almost 18 years and had never heard these things. That's what shocked me the most. But, you know, when I came to Jesus, it's kind of like life was a puzzle. And you think, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why do these things occur? And, and it's like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle were being put together in my life. And I'd read my Bible. It's like, okay, that makes sense. That's Okay, that makes sense. And I had those aha moments. That makes sense moments over and over again. And this is one of the big ones for me is understanding why the things are the way they are. So, you know, if you have the question, why don't don't I just let God do what he wants to do? When you understand the principles, the foundational principles here, you'll understand why you need to pray, why you need to exercise faith in God, and the difference, you'll find out the difference that it can make in your life. How many know that's important? A lot of people just tool through life and just let whatever happens, happens. And sometimes some really nasty things happen to some really good people. Is it true? This gives the rhyme and reason behind that. So I'm just simply laying a foundation. Last week, if you weren't here again, get the MP3, the video, audio, whatever, and watch it again. Listen to it if you weren't here. Let me give you a foundation of what was shared last week. And again, this is the foundation for faith. This is the reason we exercise faith. In, uh, in eternity past, there was a being that God created. Uh, his name was Lucifer. He's got about 12, at least, uh, descriptive titles in the Bible. Um, and Lucifer means bright one is the most beautiful um, archangel that God had ever created. And the Bible tells us about this in the book of Ezekiel, book of Isaiah. Nonetheless, God created this guy named Lucifer. And uh, he was completely beautiful. Perfection was his. He perhaps led the worship in heaven. Perhaps uh, uh, led the security detail in heaven. And iniquity, sin was found in him. And he led an insurrection against God in heaven in eternity past. Again, we don't know how long ago this was. It could have been millions of years ago. You just don't know. And uh, God had to kick him and the angels that listened to him out of heaven. There was a rebellion against God in heaven. Listen to this. In eternity, the doors of heaven will be open. You don't have to stay if you don't want to. But you know what? Once you get there, you don't want to leave. This guy's nuts. He decided that he could do what God does better than him. He was lifted up because of his beauty. Pride got a hold of him. He, uh, he had a, an eye problem. 
a problem with pride, and he said, I, 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 I will exalt my throne. I will be better than God. I will be like the Most High. He wanted to rule the universe and do a better job than God. God kicked him out. He was kicked to the earth, and then when God created uh, the earth that we know now, we don't have time to get into what could have happened, but nonetheless, when God created the heavens and the earth, created animal life, plant life, human life, lastly, then when God placed Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, in the Bible. Here's what, you know this about the Bible. Every major doctrine of the Bible starts in the book of Genesis, right? Every major Bible start, doctrine has its origin and foundation there. So these, this is the foundation of just the way life is and how it works. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave, he gave them fellowship with him. He breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. God put something of himself into us. We're not like animals. We didn't evolve from animals. No, we're human beings created in the image of God. God is a spirit. Man is a spirit. There is a spirit in man. The Bible says that over and over again. Uh, Apostle Paul said, uh, um, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So our spirit nature is the part of us that responds to God. God put a spirit nature in Adam and Eve so that they could fellowship with him. That's the reason God created us is because he wanted a family. Isn't that awesome to think about? He wanted somebody that he could bestow his love upon, someone he could bestow his kindness, his compassion, and his care upon. So he created humans. And so, you know, we don't know how long Adam and Eve are in the garden uh, but what we do know is uh, while they were there, God also at creation said to them, look, I'm giving you a measure of my all authority and I want you to be under rulers on the earth under my overarching authority over the universe. How many know, how many understand this is hard for anybody to ever grasp? When I say it, it's hard to even grasp it. God transcends or lives outside of creation. God created the universe. He lives outside of that. That's weird. From everlasting to everlasting, you're God. So he has an overarching authority over all that is or ever will be because everything started in the heart of God. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I, I want to go there, but I don't have time. So uh, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to give you a measure of my all authority, and I want you to take care of the earth. Have dominion over the fish, the birds, the land animals, oversee everything that I've given you. And you take care of this. So how many understand there was a bequeathing of authority? It was a time-limited authority. We don't know a whole lot about that. When Jesus cast demons out of people, they, they, they would say, have you come to torment us before the time? So when God first gave Adam a authority, it was time-limited we don't know a lot about that, but nonetheless, here's the thing to know. We mentioned last week is that, when, is that when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke fellowship with God, but the authority that God had bequeathed to them was automatically transferred. Anybody ever heard of Benedict Arnold? He committed treason against the United States many, many years ago. Well, they become the Benedict Arnold of eternity, Adam did. He gave what God gave him to God's arch enemy. That's a terrible crime, would you say? 
And so Satan became the god of this age. Now that's what the Bible clearly reveals. We spent the whole time last time talking about that. Jesus called Satan a thief. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, destroy, John 10, 10. I'm come that you might have life and have it abundantly. John 14, 30, I mentioned last week. Jesus called Satan a prince or a ruler. The prince of this world comes. Satan comes. Has nothing in me. Uh, Paul called Satan the God of this world, the little g, God of this world, meaning speaking God, speaking of a ruler. Paul said in Ephesians 2, he's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience or the children of darkness. And then Paul listed a hierarchy of demon forces that literally surround the earth like a cloud canopy, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, and they, and they surround the earth like a cloud canopy. So like this morning, we had to push. You just sometimes just, you ever notice in life you just got to push? Amen. You got to make yourself do what you're supposed to do? You ever, ever just wanted to sin? What do you think that is? The demon powers of hell saying, come on, come on, let up, lighten up, have some fun. Let your flesh go. Do what other people do. It's okay. It's innocuous. It won't hurt you. Baloney. So there's a cloud canopy of darkness. We pushed through this morning. And you got to do that in your own life. So then 1 John 5 19, this is amplified. We know positively that we are of God, John says, and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. And so the Bible is very clear. It takes three, minimum three scriptures to create a doctrine. There's a doctrine here. The doctrine here is that there is a malevolent being who, uh, who has a, a legal right to be here, not a moral right, a legal right, and he has usurped man's place and he now has the authority over the kingdoms of the world uh, that Adam used to have so so that's where we are that's not a pretty picture it's kind of foreboding and gloomy but that is where we live and and you 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 try to if you try to just ignore it then it will dominate you but if as a Christian you do something with that knowledge then you know the Lord can help us walk while we're living in a fallen world, walk in freedom, walk in liberty, walk in his presence, walk in the light of life and not in the darkness that comes from the enemy. So there's a thief loose to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. So today, real quickly, six facts about your authority in Christ. Now, I, I want to say it this way. I'm going to start here and I'll end here. Uh, today, and I've got it in my notes, for the period of Adam's lease... Now, this is odd to say. God has to have permission to invade earth with his ability and power. Did you hear that? Our prayers and our faith give God permission to invade our lives and circumstances with his grace, his mercy, and his provision. Now, that's opposite from the way I lived when I was a kid. I honestly... I just thought, well, God's going to do what he wants to do. In fact, we would pray in the church I was raised in. And here's what I thought. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes prayers are not answered because God doesn't want to answer the prayer. Uh, and that's just the way it is. So, so you know what it made me think? Whether you pray or not, God's going to do what he wants to do. Flip it all off. Why care? 
God's going to have his way, right? I know it's weird. How many understand? But I, I wasn't going to go to church past age 18 because of that. And then I, and God got rattled my cage. Somebody was praying for me. God invaded my life. How many hear me? So again, if you want God to invade your life, your family, your circumstances, etc., be a person of prayer. Be a person of faith. What does that do? Legally speaking, spiritually speaking, gives God permission to invade. Otherwise, he might not. Now, don't misconstrue that. Understand, God's got a lot of people on earth that love him. There's about two billion believers. And of the two billion, there's a few that are really, really committed. And that God can count on to pray. So, so just how many know that God has mercy on you when he has somebody else pray for you? Because he wants to work in your life, so he puts you on somebody else's heart. It could have been your ancestors. It could have been people hundreds of years ago that have prayed for you. But because somebody prays, God can do something. You want God to do something in America that has just such problems now? Pray. You want God to do something in your family? Pray. Exercise faith. You want God to do something in your children, your grandchildren, that aggravating spouse that you have? Pray. How many hear me? But if all you do is, I don't know what we're going to do. My God, the whole world falling apart. Good grief. Well, you know what? Guess what? It'll keep falling apart. And the devil say, keep talking that way. Don't do anything. Just keep talking that way because I'm going to keep doing what I like to do. Kill, steal, destroy. Here's what you need to know. Number one, Jesus went to the cross as the representative man. I mentioned this last week, so I'll, I'll go, this, go through this very quickly. 1 Corinthians 15 calls Jesus two things. It calls him uh, the second Adam. And it calls him the last Adam. What, what does it mean by that? Well, the first Adam, Adam created from the hand of God, was born in fellowship with God, out from under Satan's jurisdiction, uh, uh, with an immortal body, a body not subject to death, and he was eternal. Guess what? Jesus is the second Adam, last Adam. When Jesus was born, because God was his father, he had no earthly father because he was born of a virgin. Jesus is the second Adam. He was born in fellowship with God. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man. He, had, he was out from under Satan's jurisdiction. Satan had no authority or control over Jesus. In fact, Jesus manipulated the laws of nature's nature peace be still he said to the ocean right and to the dead he said rise and they came out of the grave and to the blind eyes he said be opened and they opened up and the deaf ears he said hear and they could hear jesus exercised authority over the demonic forces that cause human problems why he's the second adam he's the last adam then then, Colossians 1.18, uh, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Now, what does it mean, who is the beginning? Jesus is head of the body of Christ. And then it says, who is the beginning? The firstborn from the... I'm, yeah, that's it, from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? Jesus is the first person since Adam sinned to have relationship with God. And because he had relationship with God, he went through every test, every trial, every challenge that man faces, did it without sinning, without succumbing to the ruler of darkness. And then when Jesus gave his life up, he gave his life up willingly, became our sin, was judged for our 
our sin, went to the place that our sin should take us, which is hell, stayed there until God's justice was satisfied, that every human being's sin debt was paid, and then the Holy Spirit came on Jesus in hell, and he was raised up from the dead. Now this may shock you, Jesus is the first human to experience what we call the new birth. Jesus became our sin, not physically, spiritually. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus became what we were so we can become what he is now. You get it? So Jesus was raised from the dead (laughs) after God was satisfied humanity's sin debts paid. Understand Satan's a legalist. He will, he, will, he will fight you tooth and nail. I mean, that's it. Well, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. You did that. Look what you did. Look how you acted. Look how, what you thought about. Look at you. Look at you. That's why you need, you, need to, you need to seek God every day. And when you mess up, fess up. And then he has no uh, jurisdiction over your life, right? So when Jesus was raised from the dead, here he is. Matthew 28, number 2. Jesus regained For us, the authority Adam gave away, watch this, Jesus came and spake to them, the disciples, saying, all authority, now watch, all authority has been given to me in heaven, wait, stop right there, now now Jesus already had authority before he died, yes or no? And he exercised that authority against demonic forces and against the laws of nature that rose up to harm him or his disciples, right? So Jesus had authority before he died, but then when he rose from the dead, he said it, all authority is given unto me both in heaven. Now, why did he say that? Because he is the representative man. He said that as the representative new creation man. He was dead, he's alive, Revelation 1.18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Jesus rose as the representative new creation man, and in that state of being a man, now watch this, Jesus is the second member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he incarnated into a human body, because he loved us, decided to live in a glorified human body in eternity with holes in its hands, holes in its feet, Scars on his brow to remind us of the great price he paid for mankind's redemption. When you get to heaven and see Jesus, you'll see the holes. He decided to live in the human body because he's the head of a brand new race of people, new creation people. Is that good? So he said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and then on earth. What do you mean all authority? Here's what he was saying. The authority that God had, that he bequeathed a measure of in a time-limited way to Adam and Eve when he created the human race, that Adam and Eve gave away when they yielded to God's arch enemy Satan and gave that authority away and Satan gained it. That authority now I have regained from Satan that he got from Adam that he got from God. Now I've got it again as the new creation man. 
All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. You get it? He was saying that as the Son of Man, not the Son of God, even though He was the Son of God. He was saying that as your representative. The next two words. See, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye. Go therefore. When He said go, He pointed His finger at the church. Go. That means the authority that God had that he gave to Adam, that Adam gave away to Satan, Jesus whipped Satan, got it back from him, and Jesus said, go! He gave it back to you. Question, what are you doing with it? Right? A soldier's not much use if he's going to keep his gun in the holster. Or never get out of the barracks. Or cower down in the foxhole. And that's where a lot of believers are today. Oh, help me, Jesus. Get the authority that his finger sticking you in the face gave you when he was raised from the dead. I don't mean to holler, but it is kind of exciting. You get Number three, Christians now have personal, a personal Christ-given authority over Satan's rule over their individual lives. So let me say this. What Jesus did not do when he was raised from the dead, he did not take Satan and the legion of demon forces, the fallen angels, he did not take them out of their place. That cloud canopy still here, the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places are still here and they still rule for a period of time over the masses of unsaved humanity. They rule over those who are in darkness and they also rule over believers who don't know who they are in Christ. Believers who walk in the flesh. Believers who don't know their rights and privileges which, you know, honestly, it's a large section of the church that don't know their rights and privileges. And then rules over believers who know better but walk in the flesh and give him permission to steal, kill, and destroy. How many get it? So he's got a legal right to be here. That legal right ends the day that Jesus splits the clouds with me and you at the second coming of Christ. He routes all of his enemies, defeats them. Satan is placed in this place called the bottomless pit. He falls for a thousand years. And then he's let loose out of that pit and then eventually cast into the lake of fire. Until then, he's got a legal right to be here. And, uh, but even though he's got a legal right to be here, what Jesus did when he rose from the dead is broke his toehold over you. He broke his authority over you as a believer if you'll let him. How many get it? So before the cross, Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you, the disciples, authority, power, delegated authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And, and there's a, an insightful thing here. That word authority in the Greek is delegated authority, exousia. And, and, and it's not an authority of the flesh. It's an authority of an entity that you belong to that is greater than you. And so when the light's out and the police force, they're, you know, commanding traffic at the, at the intersection. They've got a badge on. They've got their police car, you know, lights going. 
What does that tell you? There's somebody with authority that's telling everybody else what to do. Now, you know, anybody, if they got aggravated with him, could take their car and run over him. Now, they'd pay for it later, probably for the rest of their life, right? But, but see, he has more authority than he has human power, right? And, and that's what you are as a believer. You have authority, delegated power. And then I'm going to go through these scriptures. I've been feeding on these for decades in my life. When I was young, I was afraid of the devil because I watched all these stupid little ghost movies, scary movies. And then poltergeist came along, her head spinning around like, my God. And I'm thinking, man, the devil. The devil's bad. The devil's mean. The devil's wicked. He's got a lot of power. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? See, that's the attitude. I was afraid of the devil, demons, all that stuff. I just kind of like, man. You know, the truth is, the first time I went to Africa, and I knew who I was in Christ, but all my life as a little boy, man, they do witchcraft in Africa. Man, they'll put some voodoo on you in Africa. They'll hoodoo you real big. You'll be dead. So when the plane was coming down, and I looked at the planes, the fo- you know, the foliage, I was coming down in Africa. I said, Father, I thank you that I have authority. And nothing will by any means touch me. Right? It didn't bother anymore. So if you've got any problems with, and, and watch too many spooky movies, you really, really need to meditate on this. Let me just say. 1 Corinthians 2, 6, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. Now, this rulers of this age, not talking about the, the uh, prime ministers, the presidents, the kings, yada, yada. It's talking about the demonic forces behind the natural rulers. That's what it's talking about in context. Yet not of the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. Now, I like that, coming to nothing. Now, I've got, I did a little word play on that, a little... Uh, uh, not a word play, but a, but a translation play on it. And listen to the varying translations that translate who are coming to nothing. These demon forces are coming to nothing. Amplified says who are being brought to nothing and doomed to pass away. Say, say so when you're being attacked by the dark world, the dark side, demonic forces, they're attacked. Yes, good to know they're doomed to pass away, right? Weiss translation says who are in the process of being liquidated. Young's literal translation of those becoming useless. He's not getting stronger. He's becoming useless. Moffat's translation. The dethroned powers that rule this world. See, they, they have authority over those that walk in darkness and the unsaved masses. But they're dethroned by Jesus. And we have a legal right to exercise authority over them in our personal lives. Right? Wow. Then Colossians uh, 1.13, this is amplified. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. How many know you've got to transfer? You've been delivered and drawn to himself out of the control and dominion. How many know Satan has no control unless you give it to him? Some people abdicate their authority by giving in to the flesh, giving in to doubt, giving in to fear, or just being lazy and doing nothing. That's true. 
but you've been delivered if you'll just take advantage of it. Colossians 2.15 is really, really good. King James, New King James says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it first century and centuries before that. Uh, kings and troops and armies would fight one another and the, and the defeated army, the, the, the general that defeated them, would make them march butt naked down Main Street. He would take all of their armament and they'd just walk in with their heads down. You know, just walking naked, marched them naked through the streets, showing that he took their spoils. And he and his army whooped them. That's South Carolina, whooped. You get it, right? And so, you know, there's just a play on words there, but that's literally what it's saying. New Living Translation, in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, shamed them publicly by his victory over them, on the cross, amplified, God disarmed the principalities, powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in Him and in it, the cross. Message paraphrase, He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. You know what just come up in my mind? Some of you are afraid to even talk about the devil. You don't have to be afraid of him. Well, pastor, aren't you afraid? Do you talk about all this? He'll attack you. I've got on the armor of God. I've got the shield of faith. I've got the sword of the spirit. Dude, if you try, the angels of God surround me. The blood of Jesus protects me. Well, aren't you haughty and talking that way? No, I'm just believe who I am in Jesus. It's true. Huh? Aren't you afraid the devil tries to attack me all the time, y'all? I mean, come on. Seriously, some of you have the idea, well, let's not talk about him unless he'll bother me. I'm just going to get down in a corner somewhere. See, I don't want to witness to people too much Then he might see that I'm really serious about this and might try to attack me or might try to attack. Come on, get over that. You wimp. Don't be a spiritual wimp. I mean, seriously, y'all. Come on, y'all. Is this too strong? I don't know. J.B. Phillips translation, then having drawn the sting of all the powers and authorities ranged against us, he exposed them shattered, empty, and defeated in his own triumphant victory. See, I just like that. Now, what does that tell you? Yet Satan has authority over the masses of darkness, and he'll mess with you if you walk in darkness or walk in the flesh in a non-repentant lifestyle. Get it? How many hear me? And then if you don't know who you are in Christ, the enemy will take advantage of you. huh? And then if you do know who you are in Christ, he'll try to run over you and try to act like the Bible's not true. And at some point, you have to stand up and say no. How many get it? I've got a lot more to say here. Number four, you can now personally resist Satan and he must leave you alone. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God. How many know that's number one? Numero uno is submit to God. A lot of believers have abdicated their authority because they've not yet submitted to God. Submitted to God means that you are taking up your cross, 
your will has done obeisance to Jesus and you're saying, God, not my will, your will be done. And I want to follow your will, plan, and purpose for my life. I make a choice not to follow the desires of my body. I make a choice not to follow the cultural trends the, where people walk in darkness. I'm making a choice to be a disciple of Jesus. Right? Right? So therefore, submit to God. That's number one. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's good. Now, I did a little play on this. New English Bible says, stand up to the devil, he'll turn and run. I did a play on the word resist and flee, and I went to some Bible um, theologians, and here's their last name, Strong's, the word resist. So resist the devil. Strong says to oppose or withstand. Bullinger says set oneself against, either in word or deed or both. Resist. Elliot says, the devil can fight, but he cannot conquer you if you resist. Then this guy named Wheaton says, temptation when repelled disappear. And when habitually kept at a distance, cease to exist. Resist. You know what it means to resist, right? I mean, when you resist, you don't move. Yet you feel stuff coming towards you. You say, no, I'm not moving. I'm not I'm not moving. You know, if you got any stubbornness in you, that's the time to be stubborn. Not towards God, towards the dark side. Right? He says, resist the devil and he will flee. Thayer says, flee because of inspired fear and threatened danger. That is, Satan's afraid of you. Every time you say, in the name of Jesus, it reminds him of the day that Jesus whipped his tail. And took from him the, prince, the keys of hell and death, authority. He grabbed his authority. See, here's what the devil knows about you as a believer. He knows that you have personal authority over him. But he's trying to be sneaky. Lull you to sleep. Cunning's a good word. Yeah, he is. Arndt says, resist the devil and he will seek safety in flight. Little and Scott says, resist the devil and he will run off as quickly as possible. Expositor's Greek New Testament says, if you resist him, he will be vanquished and will flee from you disgraced. Isn't that good? Now see, that's the kind of stuff I feed on. What do you feed on? Ephesians 4.27, nor give place to the devil. God's word translation, don't give the devil any opportunity to work. New century version, do not give the devil a way to defeat you. Weymouth's New Testament, do not leave room for the devil. Kenneth Wiest says, and stop giving any occasion for acting to the devil. And then I'll end with this. Uh, well, I'm in. I got two more points. Gracious me. Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and strong in your faith. Number five here on your list, we have power, the power of Jesus' blood, and the power of Jesus' name. Revelation 12, 11, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, right? So, you know, I just, you know, I have so many experiences in life where the enemies tried to do various things in various ways. The blood, and I always say in the name of Jesus and by his blood. When you, and, and Pentecostals of year, years ago, generations ago, would quote-unquote plead the blood of Jesus. When you say in the name of Jesus and by his blood, when you say the blood of Jesus, you know what you're saying? 
The blood of Jesus is just a simplified way of saying when Jesus died, went to hell, paid the legal price for sin, was raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit came on him. When he regained the authority that Adam lost, when you're saying the blood of Jesus, that's what you're saying. I am walking in the blood of Jesus. I'm walking in my redemptive rights in Christ. That's what you're saying. So they overcome by the blood. Now this is a little... mm, A number of times in ministry, I've cast demon spirits out of people. You believe that? It ain't a matter of believing it. Stuff gets in your way. You got to deal with it. Wednesday nights, I tell little stories. I don't have time today. But every time... A demonic force is man. They often manifest on the mission field. Missionaries, you better, you go somewhere else, you better know your authority. And now even in America, people let the devil in in large numbers. Just know who you are. Anytime demonic spirits have manifested, in the name of Jesus, by his blood. There's something about the blood they absolutely vehemently hate. If I start talking about the blood of Jesus, any demon anywhere near starts squirming. And then sometimes they start screaming. Because it makes them really nervous. The blood of Jesus is a powerful force. How many know that? See, you need to know that. And then the name of Jesus carries the authority of his life in it. When you say, in the name of Jesus, you're saying, I am his representative, and I'm standing here in his stead, and everything that he is, I am. In the name of Jesus. Right? I have stories, but I don't have time to tell them today. Number six, since Jesus has given Adam's original authority back to the church, God must have the permission of man to work in the earth today. Y'all just looking, huh? God must have the uh, permission of man. Yes. See, I'm fighting through religious ideology when I say that. God has to have permission to work in the earth today. If that's not true, then why in the world do you even need to pray? Huh? People turn their brain off when they come to church. Well, I'm going to church today. I'll learn a little bit about the Bible. Then I'm going out in the real world and just live like I normally do. And they're defeated. I'll take this stuff. I don't know about you. I'll take this seriously. Do you? If you don't, you are nuts and crazy. Seriously. James 4, 2 you lust and do not have, you murder and covet, can't obtain, you fight war. James just told it the way it was. Yet you have not because you do not ask. You, a- you ask and don't receive because you ask selfishly amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasure. So the idea, you have not because you ask not. See, that's the, see, that's the mindset of the New Testament. God has to have authority to work in your life. Why? Because he gave the authority to humankind. Adam gave it away to Satan. He's the, he's the Lord, little L, over there. You've got a re- legal right to be here. You've got to recognize that. He's a dignitary whether you like it or not. I don't like that, but I have to admit it and recognize it. He's got a legal right to be here. Then Jesus said this. I'm almost done. John 16. In that day you'll ask me nothing. Talking about the day we live in today when he went to the cross was raised from the dead. Most assuredly, I say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. 
Until now you've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, he says, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Luke 11, so I say to you, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Whoever asks receives. He who seeks finds him who knocks it will be open, and then Jesus, lastly, pray John Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Most every day of my life, in my prayer life, I say, Father, let your will be done in the earth. What am I doing when I say that? I'm giving God permission. God, you've got my permission. If you need somebody's permission, here's one. Father, work in the earth. I say work on every continent. Work in every nation. Work in every church. Work among every people group. Work among the masses of the unsaved all over the world. Work in heathen religions and draw people to yourself. When you're praying that way, what are you doing? Giving God authority. Father, work in my child, work in my son, work in my daughter's life. Father, work in my spouse, work in me, change me, work in me, work in my church, work in my community. Instead of belly aching about how bad it is, ask God to do something. What are we doing? We're giving him permission. And the preachers just start, just think of that. One other thing I do. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost uh, September 12, 1976, 7.20 p.m. It was a Sunday night. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I got the Acts 2-4 experience. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. Now, that upsets people. I don't know why, but it does. I didn't understand it because I was Southern Baptist, but I received that experience and, and prayed in a language I didn't learn and said something that I didn't know, but I know the Bible says when you do that, you're talking not to men, but God. And to summarize, you're praying the perfect will of God about whatever you're praying about. So I spend time every day praying in the Spirit because I know if I do that, then I'm praying about things that need to be prayed about. I'm untying God's hands. I'm giving Him permission. I may be praying for somebody on the other side of the world in danger. I may pray, be praying for somebody's soul, their, their own life, they're about to die, that they would wake up and say yes to Jesus and that someone would share him so they won't spend eternity in hell. You don't know what you're praying about. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. How many hear me? So bottom line is, are you exercising the authority that God gave you? Now, coming back next Sunday, we're going to start talking about faith because here's the skinny. Walking by faith will, will, will bring you out from darkness out from under Satan's control and enable you to walk in God's promises and blessing in a dark world. Now you don't get out from under that darkness easy. When you make a decision to walk by faith, it somehow seems like every devil in hell that knows you and your family say, hey, remember me? Remember what your daddy did, your mama did? Remember what you used to do? You remember what you are? Remember what, you, remember what you've done? And everything in the world will come against you. 
But if you'll just hold your ground. No, in the name of Jesus. I've been made the righteousness of God in him. God has forgiven and cleansed my past. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. I've been made the righteousness of God in him. I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. I resist you in the name of Jesus. Oh, that's a lie. You're going to go down. You're going to die. That's a lie. I'll live and declare the works of the Lord. I will live to a ripe old age until God is through with me. But you got to do that. Every person that walks by faith will have tests. So starting next, I'm going to talk to you about how to overcome.